Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ash Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Like no other station in the world. All right. So we're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show, and that's spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. And lots of people always ask me, what is the show about? Why do you spell it with an E? So first of all, the Ask Brian Radio Show, our first pilot show was in December of 2016, and we've been on the air since January of 2017, weekly since that time. And each week, we talk to a startup company or CEO, sometimes they're both. Sometimes we try to teach people something about business. Mr. Engineer, why are people using the word E on the Ask Brian Radio Show? I have no clue, and I'm just befounded. Befuddled and can't figure it out. <laughs> well, you know what? There's a certain number of E's we have that kind of, you know, mean as a theme part of the show. One of which would be effort because everybody on the Aspirin show gives 110% of their effort in what they do. A big component of this would also be uh, experts because everybody on the Aspirin show is an expert in their own field. Another one we have is uh, experience. I think that might be a new one I might have just created right now or not, but uh, everybody's got a lot of experience in what they're doing. Uh, why else would they be here? Another one. You don't we- have experience. You're here. Hey, easy, easy. You know what? <laughs> that was not empathetic. And that's another one. Brings us to empathy, which he did not show right there. I was using the N for narcissism. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not, that doesn't start with an E. <laughs> after the E. <laughs> Isn't there two that happen to be your two favorite ones? Isn't the first one enthusiasm? Woo, woo, woo. And what about excitement too? Would that count? What does that mean? Well, it's kind of like enthusiasm where you're. It's the same. They're pretty synonymous with each other. All right. Well, we have a pretty good show today. Our co-host Tracy is not available, but we've gone back to the one, the master, Mr. Alex. Alex, are you there? Yeah, Mr. Brian Johnson. Um, glad to be back on. You know, you never can do the other E, which is exit the Ask Brian radio program. So thanks for inviting me on today. Well, you can never exit this show. Once you're on, you're on. You're, you're a lifer. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very good guest. Elliot, are you there? I am there. Now, we've asked a couple of times, just so the audience is aware, he is not Elliot from E.T., Okay, but I wanted everyone to be aware of that, Uh, although he does have ET powers when it comes to marketing. So we're going to go over that soon. But he's not the same Elliot from ET. So, Mr. Elliot, we have some questions for you, some of them from the computer and some of them from on the spot. First question is, the name of your company is called Empirical 360 or Marketing 360? Empirical 360. Empirical 360. What is that? Is that like 360, like a 360-degree angle? And so you're going around in a full circle? It was actually, sadly, we wanted to get the name Empirical in there for data-driven marketing, and the domain name Empirical.com was not available, so we threw a 360 at the end. Wow. The secret is out, guys. All right. So now we know. It's not the best reason for the name, but you could say we're always Empirical, all the time, all around. That would be my adjusted reason. 
Now, before you started this company, what was your background? Or did you just wake up one day and it's like, hey, you know, it's 12th grade, I'm out of high school, I've got to do something, and uh, I'm just going to reach you out. Originally, I wanted to go into the medical field, and Eric was doing marketing, and I was a patient care technician trying to get hours to be a physician's assistant. I was working the night shift, 12 hours, pretty much cleaning patients up when they went to the bathroom on themselves, making very little money, and Eric was driving a Porsche at the time, who is my brother and my partner, and so I'm like, you know what, there's something to this marketing thing, so I, I got a job with him. A couple years later, we ended up starting our own agency, so kind of just morphed into it. Eric was always going down the technology route, and I kind of got brought in because of his success, and I rode his coattails. He's my little brother, too, so I had to eat humble pie. That's always tough when it's the younger brother that's... Yeah, yeah, it really, it really sucks. <laughs> and how do you transfer from, you know, working physician assistant to getting into, you know, technology and marketing? To me, I mean, obviously your brother has that background and he can get into it. But I mean, how do you learn that? So I was trying to do day trading while I was doing physician's assistant school. So I was into day trading the market. I'm a failed day trader, so I never had success with day trading. Maybe I should put my money in Bitcoin, but you know. So as I was doing that, Eric was working at a company and his boss was into day trading as well. And I was getting into writing automated day trading strategies and he took an interest in that. And so he actually hired me on to run a day trading account for him with automated trading strategies. And my dad's actually a software developer, so he helped me write programs based on you know signals that I saw and we were having some success. But then Eric, who was marketing at this company, you know, I saw what he was doing as I was day trading, and when I would finish trading the market at you know ten o'clock or eleven o'clock in the morning, I would just start learning what he was doing because I saw that he was having success with it, and it was a lot steadier of a paycheck than day trading. So I got brought on as a marketing assistant, pretty much to Eric, who was actually the marketing director of that company. And you know, one thing led to another. We started getting some clients on the side, and eventually the agency kind of just morphed into being. You know, we started getting clients. The demand grew, and we were able to quit our job and go full time into you know empirical 360. So I feel like numbers, the day trading, you know, lent a lot to our marketing strategy as far as optimization, you know, data visualization, all that stuff. But that's kind of how it happens. Well, we knew you were number guys because remember, name of your company is Empirical 360. So we knew you were 360. That's exactly right. We knew you were a number person. So how do you start? Say, okay, we're going to start an agency and just. Go ahead and start an agency. I mean, you know, you got to get clients, you got to get money, revenue coming in. And even if you have, you know, some income coming in, it's quite different from quitting your day job and then all of a sudden becoming, okay, I got a business, I got my brother's a partner, and we got to make enough revenue so we can pay our bills. Yeah, so it was actually, you know, we had about two clients while we were working at our job, and they were pretty decent sized clients, but they weren't enough to pay the bills. You're absolutely right. And we kind of just, took a leap of faith. You know, the company that we were at, they were changing some of their policies. They're changing like our business hours. Uh, we kind of didn't like the, the route it was going, nothing against that company. But we were like, you know what, now's the time to jump ship. I think at that time, me and Eric were chopping up like $3,000. So we were each taking home 1500 bucks. And I was about to get married and Eric had just got himself into a new Porsche, like a crazy person. So we took that leap of faith. We started bringing on clients pretty quick after that and, you know, just kind of hustling and really grinding. You know, we did a lot of free work in the beginning, tried to make a name for ourselves. We did make a pretty big name for ourselves in the insurance industry. And then, you know, recently, as you know, we've uh, actually started working with attorneys. So those are our two main areas that we work in. But the beginning was hard, you know, we really had to hustle, really had to grind. 
And uh, really what brought us through was actually being good at marketing. There are a ton of marketing companies out there who, you know, they, they kind of just, they're, they're not that great at driving performance, but really, you know, we are really strong at driving performance. So that's really what carried us through. Well, Alex has a couple of questions, but I have one last question before Alex. Goes. Yeah. And my question is, <clears throat> so you say drive performance, right? What makes you, your agency different than any other agency? I mean, aren't all agencies the same? Isn't it like salt? <laughs> Did you say like salt? Yeah, commodity. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what makes us different is, you know, the fact a lot of other agencies, you typically will get pitched by, you know, the head guy or, you know, like an executive level person or someone who's high up in the company or they'll bring on their executive team. And then after they bring you on as a client, you kind of get thrown around to like an intern or an account manager. And if you think about it, at the end of the day, marketing, at least the marketing we do, which is primarily PPC or pay-per-click advertising, is pretty much investing money. Uh, and would you trust, you know, just any Joe Schmo pretty much to invest your money? The answer is hopefully no. So with Eric, you know, me and Eric, we've advertised for quite a few years now. And between the two of us, we have spent over $25 million in ads. So the difference with our company is we try and keep it, you know, pretty intimate with our clients. We like to have a very hands-on approach. And we are the ones managing the account. So we are the business owners, but we still have a very active role in managing the account. Because, you know, at the end of the day, when you're moving money around, it takes, you know, the experience. It takes some confidence to, you know, stay cool when things are going crazy. And in some accounts, you know, when you're spending $50,000 a day, the decisions are, are harder to make for an intern level person. So I think that's what really sets us apart. Obviously, there's a scalability, you know, thing there. But for us, you know, we're not looking to be a thousand employee organization. We're trying to keep it small, you know, really just achieve the goals that we want to achieve. Alex, you said you had a question? Yeah, I had a couple of them. So Elliot, great, um, great story as well. And you know, I've, I've done a lot of marketing in my life and it's always been like cleaning bedpans. So I'm glad you found a better experience, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind I've of crazy. too many bedpans in my life, unfortunately. <laughs> I only, I did that for like eight months and let me tell you, I cleaned a lot of bedpans. <laughs> and this is a clean well, show, but go ahead. It's a clean show. <laughs> so, so, you know, you're, you're talking about the pivoting piece, which I think if you look at our audience, there, it falls into a couple of different categories, but two of the really important categories are people who are who are startups that you know may have jumped into something and they're going, well, if I keep down this path, I'm not sure it's the right path. Maybe I want to change. And then there, of course, there's others who say, well, I really don't understand marketing, so I want to understand more about that. Is a great reason you're here. But tell us about the pivoting a little bit. You were going as kind of a full service agency, and you found your niche. It seems like, and and because could deliver a better ROI or whatever. How did you determine what the niche you were going to go in? And was it hard for you guys to just go, we're going to pivot into the attorney niche? How did, what was that process like in your mind? Well, you know, first, like you said, we started off as a generalist agency. and We kind of need anyone who we could get in the beginning because we needed money. And, you know, insurance was great for us because that was our first big client when we were still working our job. So it was the likely next step. And we worked with a car warranty. So it was somewhat similar. So we kind of, you know, dove into the insurance market. And what we found with those types of people, at least trying to get new clients, is you get a lot of single insurance agents who really couldn't afford our service. Now, they're entrepreneurial, which is what we like. They understand that they had to buy leads or they had to market, which we like that aspect of it. But again, they were very, very fickle. And typically, we ended up solving more of their business problems than we did marketing for them. And so it wasn't our ideal customer. We then proceeded right. to go after doctors, dentists, you know, all the common agency niches as far as marketing agencies. 
And, you know, we worked with a lot of doctors. In fact, we worked with big surgeons, big surgery companies, and nothing against doctors, but they're so busy with being a doctor and they don't necessarily think they have to market that it's it's hard to explain to them, hey, you need to run, you know, ads. Now, lawyers, on the other hand, they have, you know, a similar education. They have a similar, you know, like professionalism as doctors, but they are very entrepreneurial, we have found. They know they have to market. They're always looking to expand. So they're kind of like a blended mix between the insurance agent who's very entrepreneurial and the doctor who's professional enough to work with. So it just so happened that we read a book called Traction, which I recommend to any business owner to really focus on a core niche and really go after it in a structured approach. And that just happened to coincide with us going after attorneys, and it really, really brought our agency to the next level. That's a great analysis. And I, I mean, that, that will help a lot of people to really make that analysis of how, how you go do that. So, so now you do this, you said you're performance-driven, you get the results for people. A lot of people on the show may not really understand what PPC is and how you would go about doing that. So can you take <laughs> two minutes and just drive through that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So PPC is pretty much pay-per-click advertising. So this is when either you're on Facebook or you go to Google and you click on someone's ad. At that point, the advertiser pays Google or Facebook for you to click the ad. So that's why they call it pay-per-click. And the reason that it's such a high-performance medium, especially Google, which is our primary offering, is because Google, when someone needs something, they typically go to Google. It's almost like a, a verb these days, just Google it. So when you need a plumber or a roofer or you need a divorce, you just Google it. And so that's why it drives such high performance because Google has a level of intent that a lot of other advertising platforms don't have. So if you compare it to TV, for instance, you know, if you put a TV commercial up and you're an attorney, well, they might be watching the Super Bowl or they might be watching something. They might not even be in the room. So, you know, you're kind of spending money on someone that's not really super engaged. But on Google, they're searching for your service in a moment of need. And so when we bring those users to our clients, they convert very highly. And Google also has a lot of scalability associated with it and predictability, which as a business owner is a huge, huge, you know, win because you can hire people based on the performance. Uh, you can expand your locations based on the performance. You know, before you even run a campaign on Google, you can actually project all of your KPIs before you spend a dollar. So I'm a big fan of Google. I love Facebook as well, but Facebook is a social platform. You're interrupting people there. You know, it's not necessarily the best time to reach them. It does work, but there are a lot of downfalls with Facebook because costs are continually rising because it's so competitive, whereas Google is more of a steady flow, you know, across the board. Costs very rarely rise in Google. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and, and I, I want to ask you one more follow-on to that, but I think I think that's a great way to look at it. And for people who didn't catch that, KPI stands for? Key Performance Indicator, right? Okay. Just so we get there. Okay, so everybody knows where we are. Yep. So that's, a, that's, that's really interesting, and, and it makes sense. And we do get a lot of people on the show who say they love Facebook, and a lot of people who come on the show and say they love Google. So it's really interesting to get your perspective on that. Now, yep. the, other side, the other side of that is, you know, a lot of people, and I, I find this all the time, and, you know, Mr. Brian Johnson and I talk about this. A lot of people, especially attorneys, they seem to think they know everything. No, I'm we kidding. Do, we I'm do. Kidding. That's <laughs> <laughs> but, but they really, a lot of people will say, what do I need an agency for? I can do those. What is, you know, what is PPC? It's just ads. I can do those myself. We have Why it because we need to blame someone. We need an agency. We need to blame, need to blame someone. That's right. That's an attorney. <laughs> now that sounds like an attorney. And, then, and then Sue, tell of me, course. Tell me why. Lawyers, but go ahead. <laughs> 
So why, so what do, you, why do you need an agency? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that is actually a funny thing. And of course, you know, they could definitely throw up ads and pay Google. But Google is a little bit more complicated than Facebook. And Facebook is pretty complicated itself. If you get a couple of things wrong in there, you will pretty much get no results. And if you think about it from Google's perspective, they actually, you know, they actually go after business owners for them to run ads and attorneys to run ads. And they have what are called smart campaigns. But there's a lot of technical components that you have to set up in order for a campaign to run correctly. And typically, if you're not, you know, tech savvy, these are pretty hard to do. Like, you don't have to be a tech whiz. I am by no means a tech whiz. But you have to set up tracking. So you have to feed Google information on what kind of conversions are coming through. And when I say conversions, I mean like leads and phone calls, someone filling out a form. So you have to kind of set up the plumbing of the account before you can ever run ads correctly. And what a lot of people do who kind of dive headfirst into both Google and Facebook is they don't do this and they end up getting terrible results. And the other thing too, and I'm not bashing Google or Facebook, is they make it very easy for you to advertise because this is how they get paid. So they'll, you know, one click set up a campaign, but that campaign is not well equipped to drive business to your, you know, firm or your doctor's office. Again, they have a low barrier of entry so they can make money and pretty much what they're relying on is you spend the money, you don't get great results and then you go hire an agency to do it. They still rely on agencies to sell their service. So there's a lot of reasons why, a lot of nuances in the platform that if you're not aware of, you know, you can spend tons of money and get really bad results. So that's the biggest difference. So some of the guests are asking, you know, PPC, that's great. You got to spend $500,000, $2,000, $3,000 a month to have somebody manage your campaign for you. Hopefully, you know what you're doing, but I have no idea. Why would I go to you? Why not anyone else? I mean, great. So I can't do it. I need to hire a company. What three or four items would you look for if you had to hire a PPC company? Yeah, that is a great question. So if I had to hire a PPC company, number one, I would want to know, you know, how much money has their account managers individually managed? So am I getting an intern level person who is managing my account or is it someone experienced? That's a key question. The second thing would be because PPC is so fast acting, you should get results in the first week or two weeks or three weeks. You should start seeing leads coming through. When I say leads, I mean phone calls or people filling out a form or sales if it's, you know, depending on what the company is. So you should get results quickly and they shouldn't need to have a long-term contract to keep you around. So our agency, we actually do everything month to month. So if you're not happy in that first month, you can just cancel. And that's how confident we are in getting you results quickly. So that would be the second thing I would look for is make sure that they don't rope you into a six-month or year-long contract because really what that is is that's just them not being confident in their results. Obviously, there are a lot more things that go into a contract, you know, cash flow purposes, company evaluations, but ultimately, they're not confident to keep you around. The other thing is is make sure, you know, that they're a Google partner or a Google premier partner or a Facebook-approved marketing agency. Those accreditations. There, some of them are harder to get than others, and, and you can kind of look up the differences on on each of them. But at least they have taken certifications and they're recognized by Google as far as you know their their qualifications. And then the last thing is, I would try to stick with an agency that that is all they do. So you know, for us, we're a specialist agency. Our core niche is is PPC. So we focus on driving results through pay per click advertising. We don't do you know, other services. This is our core focus and is what me and Eric do. And, and, you know, we consider ourselves to be some of the best PPC managers out there. I say that because we've competed with a lot of agencies and beat their results. So that's kind of what I would look for, you know, if I were evaluating an agency myself. When you say beat their results, how do you know that you beat their results? 
We've actually competed. So for large client accounts, we've actually competed for the ad spend with other agencies. So they run an account, we run an account, and whoever comes out on top kind of gets the client. We've also audited other accounts when we're trying to win business. So like, let's say someone is advertising with agency A and the client's not happy with the results. You know, we go in there and we audit the account to see, is there any opportunity for us to improve this? And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, there is definitely opportunity. And we show that to the client. And it's kind of like a free audit. In fact, a lot of companies do this to try and win business. And we show that to the client. We show, hey, here's your opportunity. I could take your lead cost from X down to, you know, Y. So if you're interested, let us know. And, you know, then we end up doing that. And, and our clients stick with us for, for quite a long time. So uh, we've seen a lot of different things out there, what companies do. And the active money management is kind of what sets us apart versus others. Alex, you had a question? Yeah, I was going to say. So, Eric, when you, when you look at that and, and you look at the overall PPC costs that people look at, one of the complaints I've always heard is that, well, agencies charge me a management fee for doing that, and they never tell me what they're actually doing for that. So how do you get around that to work with your clients so they understand what you're actually doing for them? Yeah, so we like to do either weekly or biweekly calls with a client. And what we've noticed, and this is another thing about attorneys that's nice, is they don't really care what you're doing in there. Other companies do, and, and we have ways of showing them, but they really just care what leads are coming through and am I making money. And so how we show that is we talk about the leads that we're bringing them. We show them the phone calls, the leads. We try and get information on the leads because that helps us to improve the campaigns. And then the ones that are bringing in business, we try and funnel more money into those campaigns. So. It's more of a like a team meeting that we do with our attorneys where we just try and get a feel for you know, how much business are we bringing you and are we making you money? And they understand that when we do these meetings. You know, in other, in other industries, what we do is we show them a list of things that we've completed in the account. Like if we're working with an internal marketing team who they understand what we're doing, then we'll show them the changes that we're making in the account and why. But to be honest, you shouldn't really be doing too many changes per day in an account. If you're day trading an account, you will probably lose just like I did when I was day trading. So that's just something to, uh, you know, to, to take note of. Too much management can actually be a problem in an account. I think that makes a lot of sense as well. And one last thing on that is, as well, when you're working with these clients, do they rank or do you rank how much a lead costs them? So if you found out with attorneys that leads cost them more or less than other businesses. So if you're working with these businesses and you're, well, let's, let's even go a little further and say, you guys, I believe, are in Tampa, Florida. Our show is in mm -hmm. Southern California. Could you help with someone in Southern California who's an attorney because the cost of the lead may be different than the cost of the lead in, say, Florida, where maybe the costs are different for an attorney? Yeah. You know, that actually, we have, most of our clients are actually not in Florida. We have like three attorneys in Florida, but most of them are all over the place. But how it works is, the market is kind of set by the location. So if you have big advertisers in California, which they typically do, they will tend to pay up more because they can afford more. And so the market is kind of set by that. That's how Google works. It's actually an auction system. So it'll be okay. different in every area. But you can actually see that in the Google Keyword Planner, which allows you to project on you know different keywords and costs associated with it. So you, know, you can definitely work nationwide. And, and all it is is just a difference in the bid when you bid on a keyword. So that's how Google works. It's based on bids. Based on bids, right? So I have, two, good. I have two questions. One is, what is the minimum amount you need to spend to be successful? Yeah, so that is dependent on the business itself. So if you think about 
So like I said, Google works on a bidding system. And if you think about an auction, let's say that there was a piano up for sale and one guy bid $500 and the other guy bid $550. They are willing to pay that for that piano because that's how much they feel it's worth. Google works the exact same way. So a plumber may be willing to pay $50 a click because he might get a $3,000 job off of it. Now, a family attorney, they're willing to pay $12 a click because the divorce may cost someone $2,000 or $4,000. A PI attorney is willing to pay $400 a click because they may get $10,000 or they may get $500,000. So the market is actually what sets the bid. All the advertisers that are in that area, they are the ones who set their bid. And then how Google works is every time someone performs a search, an auction takes place, and the top guy pays a penny above the guy below him, and that guy will pay a penny above the guy below him, and that goes on until you know they run out of spots on the page pretty much. So that auction system you know, is how it's controlled. So each industry has its own budgetary requirements. Like for a family attorney, they can start with $500. For a plumber, they can start with $1,000. A roofing you know, client, they can start with $1,000. And also, that is also a function of you know, how many leads do you want to get to evaluate a source? You know, what is a good sample size for you? So, you know, for us, we say, hey, if you get 10 leads, you, know, you should be closing one or two people, and that'll give you a feel for the process. It'll give you a feel for how we work, and that's usually enough to get them to stay on with us. The biggest question I see people asking, no matter what the field is, quality of the lead, right? Everyone says, <laughs> I, I'll pay money, I'll pay $200, $500, $1,000, but I want a quality lead. How do you coordinate that? Yeah, so quality is a big thing, and that's why typically Google is such an outperformer of other sources, because people always come there with the intent of searching for what they need. So right off the bat, you're getting some level of quality immediately. The second thing is, is kind of helping people understand and manage their expectations. So if I were to ask you, you know, hey, if you closed at 30% or 40%, would that be good for you? And most people should say, yeah, that'd be great. You know, if I'm closing five out of 10 leads, that's great. What people don't consider is, that may mean you could take five horrible phone calls in a row and you know you have to be confident that the sixth or the seventh is a good one and still do your same sales process. So marketing and sales are very closely tied together. So if you're closing at 20%, which 20% in most businesses can make you, you know, tons of money, that means you could have eight terrible phone calls in a row and you're still getting quality leads because they're calling you, they want a divorce, maybe they're not the right client, maybe you don't like them, maybe they don't like you, but they still wanted the divorce. So Kind of, you know, defining quality is an important thing. And then also managing your expectations on your closing rate or your sales closing rate is another big thing that, you know, we have to kind of educate clients on. Yeah, we tend to call that in my, in my side of the world, we always call that conversion, right? How good, how good your conversion is. And I think you make a great, great point in there is that everybody thinks everybody's an A lead or a top lead and you're going to mm-hmm. get, you're going to get the good, you're going to get the good with the bad. But the whole key is getting a lot more good than bad, right? And the other, yeah. I think the other piece that is even harder is that the volume, you know, the volume of leads doesn't have to be a lot if they're high quality, but, you know, you, you campaigns will do different. So I had a question for you about these campaigns and how you do them. So being an attorney, if I just walk, you know, I called you or I, I texted you and said, hey, I want to put a plan together. Do you have a question sheet that you go through? How do you determine how you would help me as a client to get started? What does that process look like? Yeah, so typically, are you talking like the sales side of the thing or when we actually Yeah, yeah. What, it, what does it look like from the sales side so that I would feel confident to say, I want to call someone? I mean, it would be you 
if I was an attorney, but just if I'm a entrepreneur and a, a startup or someone who's been in business or as Mr. Brian Johnson uses a furniture store, a local furniture store, and I want to get into this, what do I have to have prepared the day I call you? Yes. Yeah, so typically, so when I first see the nice thing about us focusing on one industry is we, is we know we can make it work for them. So I don't have to come up with creative ways to do that. That's why being a generalist agency is harder because then there's no standard operating procedure when you bring on a client. So that's just one tidbit. But typically when I talk to an attorney, I just like to get a feel for what they've done in the past and kind of what their goals are. And typically there are two types. There's one that hasn't done any marketing in the past and they're like, you know what? I'm just kind of getting my options. And then there's one who has been burned in the past by either SEO or another PPC agency, which those are very hard to convince of. But there's those two types. And the people who have been burned, you know, I just help them understand the values of our agency, the personal approach that we take. The people who don't understand it necessarily, I just explain to them how Google works, the level of intent, and then our process for advertising. So they don't really need much to get started. All we need from an attorney, the way we package our, our services, is they just need to give us the information of their firm. So their value proposition, uh, phone number to direct call to, what hours they want to run, very nitty-gritty items that you know can be answered in 15 minutes. And so we try and take a lot of the work off of them just so it's easy to get started. Um, if it were a different business, it would look very, very similar to that process because you don't really need much to run, you know, Google or Facebook. Right. So someone who's been scared of actually doing this, I mean, you know, I know a lot of people, especially Facebook or, or Google even, you get on there and you, 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 know, you look at it, you're really not sure what to do. Because so I'll take you through all these steps, but then you get through the steps and it goes, put your credit card in and you're like, well, what did I just sign up for? So having an agency work for you, seems like the smarter way to get going. And if that's the case, do a lot of people stay with you once they realize, hey, this is working, or do they try to go back, save some money, and do it on their own? What do you find there? What's the churn in your business? So like I said, we actually don't do contracts, and we have a very, very high retention rate. I haven't actually measured the percentage, but clients that we brought on four, five, six years ago when we first started are still with us today. Some of them have left, but a lot of them come back. And the ones who typically don't work out for us, like especially now that we're doing mainly attorneys, are just typically ones that don't culturally fit with our team. They're not really team players. They're not willing to sit down on a call and talk to us about quality. They're more just like, I'm too busy to talk to you. And, you know, they don't really know what's happening. And most of them, they don't even start. They typically will have a problem with something about a member on our team or, you know, like I said, culturally, they're just not a good fit, and we end up ending the relationship before it aggravates our team. But if they're willing to play ball, they're willing to be a team, you know, they stick with us for, for years. So, you know, it, it really hasn't been a problem for us. That's great. I think that's a great way to run the business, too, and it keeps the team happy and everybody motivated. Yeah, so Brian, yeah, we found it just, it just frustrates us. Yeah. Can you explain what SEO is? People are asking that. Sure. Yeah, I'll give it in a nutshell. So SEO is, is very similar to the Google ads that we run. SEO is what's called organic, though. So there are four ads at the top of the page of Google, and below that is the organic listing, and that is earned over time and quality interactions with the site. So Google will judge your site based on how many people are going to it and finding it a quality resource, and they judge that by time on the site, interactions on the site. And so Google's mission is to serve a quality resource to someone. That way they remain the quality resource of Google. So SEO takes, you know, time, six months to a year to start ranking for certain keywords. And there's no guarantee which pages will rank. You know, you can obviously push that one way or the other. But it's a time-based game. You're investing in the long term of your business. 
and that is how it works. So there are a lot of other technical components, but time and quality interactions are ultimately what drives your page up the rankings of SEO. So you still get the same high intent of Google, someone searching for something and your listing will pop up. But Google, you're doing it to where you're paying to be at the top. So I like to compare it to like plastic surgery. You can get a six pack by going and get plastic surgery, which is like Google ads. Or you can work out, eat healthy and work really hard and you'll pop up at the top eventually, which is like SEO. So you talked about SEO and you said SEO is organic. Pay-per-click is non-organic. Can you just give us an idea of what the difference between organic and non-organic, if I can call it that is, and which one's more important? Or are they both important or neither of them? Yes. So they are definitely both important. And as a business owner, you kind of have to ask what your goals are when you're choosing one of the two. So if you're an established law firm, let's say, you know, 15 years, you got plenty of business coming in and you want to invest in the long term because you don't need business right now, then SEO is great because it's going to take time and you kind of have to go in with that expectation. SEO, how it works is, again, quality interactions on your website and time. So Google has to see that people are continually finding answers on your website for their search queries and Google will recognize that and start to bump your listings up the page. Like I said, there are more technical components associated with it, but that is kind of the gist of it. So it takes time for Google to recognize that. Now, if you're a new business owner and you're like, you know what? I really need my phone to ring tomorrow because I'm going to go to business if I don't, then waiting six months to a year for a lead to come in is not the best idea. And that's where pay-per-click advertising will get you kick-started. Now, if you use the two in conjunction, then it's even better because now you're using pay-per-click to bring people to your site and get those quality interactions, and you're having the normal organic quality interactions that you should be getting anyway. And now you kind of have this ecosystem of traffic and people interacting with your brand and your site you know, all happening at once, and you'll move up a whole lot faster. So in a perfect world, you do both. But again, if you have time and you have a nice steady business, you know, nothing to worry about, SEO is great. If you need business tomorrow, then you kind of want to jumpstart it with, you know, PPC or or the non-organic approach. That's fantastic. And I I add to that that both of those cost someone money, right? It's not, you're not going to do a better job with SEO than pay-per-click just because you're an owner you're still going to probably pay someone to do either, right? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people view SEO as, it's actually funny the dynamic that people think. When they think of Google Ads, they're like, well, I don't want to keep paying Google Ads for something that, I, that I'm not really getting. They view SEO as like a deliverable and they're getting something. But either way, you're investing in one or the other and one is bringing you business today and one may bring you business in a year. And so, you know, just kind of, you know, assess your goals is the biggest thing. The other thing that I will point out with SEO that is a little scary when you've invested tens of thousands of dollars into it is when Google changes their algorithm, it can heavily affect your ranking. So that is one thing to consider if that is your main source. And the other is Google monetizes off of ads. So the top four spots, which are the highest volume spots, are ad spots because that's how they make money. So, you know, even if you're in position number one, you're still a little bit down the page. So kind of, you know, Assessing your goals is really important when you're choosing a marketing source. We have about 30 seconds I, left, and we, are you going to tell us about local service ads or LSAs or whatever? What is that? Yeah, so local service ads are Google's new offering for uh, not only for attorneys. They do it for roofers and plumbers as well, and it's kind of a beta program. And all that is is the same exact algorithm that they use for Google ads, but they do it very, very specifically based on location, so proximity to the user and the number of reviews and how responsive you are. So Google controls everything in this new ad format. 
all they do is a background check on the company to make sure that they're legitimate, and then they control the process. You listen to KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.